Hello, this is Kaiju Transmissions. Uh, I am your host. My name is Kyle Bird. With me, as always, is my co-host. Matt Parmley. Yes. Hi, Matt. <laughs> hey, Kyle. So, uh, um, we're here to introduce... This is the, our third time trying this. Uh... And uh, unfortunately, we had to redo it a third time, and you'll know in a, and you'll know why in a moment. So this is the introduction to the Days of the Dead panel with uh, Tom Kitagawa and Haro Nakajima at the Days of the Dead convention in Indiana. Correct? It was Indiana. Yeah, Indianapolis. Uh, yes, and Matt went there. Uh, what was it? Probably late June. It was probably late June. Uh, yeah, that sounds right, man. It feels <laughs> it feels like well, it was before G Fest, so yeah, 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 that's right. Um, so anyway, we did have an intro set to go for this, uh, but unfortunately, uh, earlier this week that we're recording this intro, Mr. Nakajima passed away, and so we thought it was only appropriate to do another one, another intro. Because as far as I know, I think this may be his last interview. Um, and yeah, right. yeah and, and it's just we, before he passed away, I was planning on releasing it. Today's Thursday. It was supposed to be posted yesterday. That was my plan. Um, and then he passed away. And then I was like, okay, I think I want to sit on this for a little bit because I don't want it to seem exploitative that we just happen to have what might be his, his, his final interview. And also because I was talking to Matt and we really felt like we should do another intro um, now that we're releasing, releasing this after his passing. Uh, so, Matt, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you for, for a little bit. Just, um, I mean, anything you want to say about being at this panel and, and being... I guess around Mr. Nakajima, the weekend of this convention and yeah, um, et cetera, so, et cetera. Jeez, uh, <laughs> this is so. It's like it just feels weird recording it so like a third time. But um, <laughs> so this this convention, um, I went up there. Um, man, it, it's like it's it's hitting me again after we did our, our little tribute episode, but. Uh, so we, we actually took, um, Nick Poling from the, from the monster report. Awesome Nick guy. actually, yeah, he, he's great. He's so and, nice. Uh, he's so polite. Dude, he, he might be, <laughs> I think he is the politest guy I've ever met. Uh, maybe, maybe outside of my father. My father is also the nicest guy that you, that you'll ever meet. Um, but Nick went with me. Uh, he met us up there in Indianapolis. Um, and also, John Crissetti was there. Um, he took some pictures and whatnot, and I've known John for a year and a half now or so. Um, and Nick got the audio for us, actually posted. There's a video. Uh, I think he might have edited some of it, but like, there's a video on his website, his YouTube channel, so you can check that out there. But if you want to hear the audio, we have the raw audio. Um, Corey Hannigan um, was the interpreter, and Corey actually is from Cincinnati. He came up with me. And uh, we actually met with Nakajima and his daughter, Sanoe, and we had breakfast with them. Um, Sanoe is a sweetheart. I said this in our little tribute episode and, uh, man, she's, she's a wonderful person. She, 
you know, she waits on uh, Nakajima hand and foot, and uh, I just really feel for her still. And it was it was wonderful to see them together. And like in hindsight, like it just being able to, to think about that, like it's just now it's kind of really hard because so, I'm so talking. Talk about having breakfast. Was it just you two with the Nakajimas? Or so it was. The, so Jim Cernel was there. It was Tim Bean, uh, Sanoe, um, Nakajima, Corey was there, and then um, Shigeko, um, which is the basically the representation on the Japanese side for Nakajima and Sanoe. Um, and then and then uh, Nick showed up um, after breakfast to meet us there because he wanted to get set up. Um, and then we basically were waiting for the panel because the panel was kind of in the middle of the day. So we, we went into the room to get set up before it even opened. Um, and actually Nakajima and uh, Tom Kitagawa, their table was the busiest out of everybody there. And there are a lot of the final or Friday 13th actors and were there like uh, Kane Hodder was there. And like, man, I'll tell you what the, the Godzilla table was, was busy. Um, they were where it was at. So I was really happy to see that they were busy. Um, panel took place in the middle of the day and uh nakajima like in the morning he seemed i don't know like he seemed like me in the morning i'm not a morning person like i need coffee mornings like, are the worst man they, they are um but you know he he seemed okay and i will say that during the panel he had a lot of energy he had a lot of energy in the in the in the morning when he was signing autographs and meeting fans um he had a lot of energy during the panel he seemed very alert and awake and um for his last interview um i mean he did great Corey was awesome um, Corey's, you know, he, he did a great job interpreting and I'm really thankful that, that he was there. Um, so I just, you know, it, it's, it was kind of a weird experience looking back on it now, but, um, I hope everyone enjoys the, the panel that they're going to listen to. Um, both Tom and Tom Kitagawa and, and Nakajima give very good answers. And, uh, the, the panel itself was put on by the days of the dead convention. So these are questions that they asked. We had, you know, these aren't mm. our questions. These aren't. Uh, Jim's questions, Jim Sarnella, these are the, the, yeah. the questions that are put on by the And we, we have gotten permission from the convention to release this. Yeah, this is, this is it, it's public, and so they know that it's going to be released, and there's no issues with that. Okay. Um, and, uh, I mean, people have seen the pictures and stuff. Uh, I will say Nakajima, you know, we, we know he was... He was feeling ill. He was feeling sick that weekend. Um, and uh, I, I do have to give a shout-out to him because you see in the pictures, you know, he he's old. He, he's, he's more frail than we might remember him. Um, and, uh, you know, he had oxygen, but he was still seemed so, like, into the experience of meeting the fans. Like, the, every picture I've seen of him at this convention, he's got, like, the biggest smile on his face. And for someone of that age and who, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're older, so their quality of life might be declining a little bit. To see them have that much enthusiasm for their fans and for, you know, their genre and for the character that they help make an icon, like, to me, I mean, if this is his last, well, I guess this was his last U.S. convention appearance, like, for him to put up with all that and be such a trooper, I mean, it, it's pretty incredible. It was just a great experience. And, you know, I will say, too, like, I, um, after the, the panel, I, we, I got to give him, we had these little kaiju transmission shirts, and I gave one to Tom Kau, uh, Kitagawa, I gave one to him. And I'm sure, you know, again, something that he, he probably never got to wear. Um, but it was cool for me to be able to do that. It mm-hmm. was something I wanted to do. Um, and he seemed thankful for it. Sinoe seemed thankful for it. 
and like to show for them to show any just a I don't know. It, it meant a lot to me, and they, and they seem to really appreciate their fans, and like that's yeah. all you can really want. Well, well, I mean, our because uh, we we had our Kitagawa episode where we had uh, we had had him interviewed. Uh, you and Nick interviewed him, and the yeah. plan was to have Nakajima on as well. Uh, but it, but Matt, it, it sounds like he was willing to go through with it. But you were the one that said like no. I can tell you're feeling under the weather. Like you need to rest. Don't worry about. It. Like he he was going to go through with it, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean the the plan was to have them both on for for uh, an interview, but he was he was obviously very tired, and I I didn't feel right having him on at the end of the convention, right? Because yeah. this sort of been the end of the convention. Um, I would not have felt okay doing that to him, to be honest with you. Yeah. It'd been like taking advantage of my grandpa like that's how it would have <laughs> right. felt about it. i mean like that's yeah. really how i would have felt about it so i yeah so we we declined to have him on um yeah and, no i i would have done the same thing just be like look you're 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 not feeling well you're tired you know just just chill relax get some rest our but, podcast uh, is not as important <laughs> as his health you know yeah i mean like <laughs> and to be honest i mean he's done He's done interviews in the past. Um, we, we, I mean, it would have been a wonderful experience, I'm sure. But like, but yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm very, uh, I'm still at a loss for words, man. Like, I know, just man. It, it blows. So yeah, just enjoy the panel. Um, enjoy his answers. Mm-hmm. Enjoy, you know, Kitagawa. Kitagawa's great in this interview as well. And uh, yeah. yeah, and you know, before we before we throw you guys into the panel, I do think we should preface this by saying we know the audio quality isn't all that great. Um, they yeah. they didn't they didn't really have uh, the type of inputs that I guess Nick, they yeah, would. Yeah, Nick had asked for uh, an input to to run to his audio equipment. They did not have one. Um. <laughs> so so what you're hearing is two recordings that are more open room recordings uh this is an edit that i put together it's a frankensteining of the best quality for each question uh between the audio from nick polling and uh john crissetti um so again shout out to those guys for for sending us that audio uh and trust me when i say that i spent a very long time putting it together and uh also shout out to our friend chris who um chris is amazing Chris, big hug, buddy. Virtual hug from your buddy, Matt. <laughs> uh, Chris uh, also took a pass at, um, you know, trying to work with the levels, reduce some background stuff. And we know it's not the most ideal audio. Um, but, you know, I mean, we're, we're lucky enough to have audio of uh, Nakajima's final U.S. interview. And it's something that I, I really am excited to share. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, if, if the audio is too rough for you and you turn, want to turn it off, that's, that's fine. I don't really blame you, but, um, hopefully the, the people that can, you know, get used to, to the, the imperfection of it all, uh, will, will enjoy it. Um, and I will say, um, for Nakajima himself, one of the issues was that I ran into in editing was that he wasn't mic'd. Everyone else was mic'd, so his voice is very low. So I tried to bring him up the best that I could. However, I will say I'm not sure if we have any Japanese, uh, a lot of Japanese speakers or people fluent in Japanese, but there's a couple parts where I did had to trim pieces of his answers. 
um, just because they were so low that if I had raised them at all, it would have been painful to human ears with all with noise in the background and stuff. So, I uh, I, I wanted to leave as much of his answer as possible. So, if there are any people who understand Japanese perfectly and they're like, "Hey, he just said like half a sentence." Um, I'm aware of the issue, and I, I I would have rather done that than cut out the question and the answer altogether. So yeah, it was kind of weird. They didn't have, I guess, enough mics for everybody, and they were, it yeah, it was they they didn't mic him. I'm not sure what the deal was with that. It was kind of an imperfect setup. And when we first walked in the room, they had this massive, like, the mascot for this uh, this particular convention is like this big horse thing. They had it right in the middle of the stage where he would have been sitting almost, and I, I we had to ask them to move it. I'm like, guys, nobody's gonna be able to see him. Like, move that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so what you're hearing is is the the very best pieces we could take from two audio sources, and um, you know, if, if hopefully you can get used to it, and uh, you know, I know it's a little rough, but either way, you know, I, I am happy to present this to people. So, um, so enjoy it, Matt. You got anything else to say? Uh, no, man. Take it all in, guys. Enjoy. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks for coming out. Um, as I'm sure some of you are aware, uh, we have two legendary costume actors with us today. Uh, Mr. Nakajima. Let's uh, start out with uh, how did you first become involved in the stunt Historical films, uh, historical fight, uh, battle scenes uh, with a lot of stunts, planes, and you know, I, I thought that was really cool and really interesting, and I wanted to get involved in that. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, I was interested in um, sort of Sentai stuff like uh, like the Power Rangers um, and stuff where people would do daring sort of stunts and, and action scenes. Uh, for Mr. Nakajima, um, how did you how did you first get involved in the original concept? I I あの、um, so originally, uh, sort of just as a test, 
uh, a couple candidates moved around in some of the suits, and uh, I was really one of the only ones that could actually move within the suit. Uh, and so it was pretty clear cut after that that I'd be the actor. Before I'm going to go, uh, taking over the role of Godzilla in Godzilla 2000 Millennium, how did that become? Uh, how did you play in that part? And second part of the question, uh, what was it like assuming the role of that famous character? Um, so first of all, before that film, um, I had starred as uh, King Gilderoy in uh, Mafia 3, and um, he, uh, the casting director for Godzilla uh, 2000 was interested in my performance, and he asked me to, to take on the role. I'm pro, so uh, I didn't really have to do anything to prepare for that role. How much was the original vessel weighing and how far was it? Right, so that suit, um, the height actually hasn't changed much over the years. It's just about two meters, um, but the weight was a hundred kilograms. Yeah, I mean, you know, nowadays we have the technology and the materials to produce much lighter um, suits, but at the time the war had just finished, uh, and so we didn't really have that much available. Um, you know, it was, it was an older period, and we just didn't have access to a lot of technology, and so um, we had to, you know, really dig deep and kind of scrounge together the materials for that kind of suit, and it came out that heavy. So it definitely wasn't easy to shuffle around and. Uh, the original Godzilla suit. Uh, what were some of the major challenges of, for each of you for portraying Godzilla? Um, yeah, like I said, the, the movement in general was difficult. Um, I actually practiced judo when I was younger, and I think that was really the only reason that I was able to handle moving around. I, I think someone who doesn't do a lot of exercise wouldn't even be able to move uh, in that suit. I think for me, um, it was the fact that the suit already had a face made for it, um, and so, you know, it can't really smile uh, or make facial expressions, so when I took on the role originally, I thought a long time about how to make it expressive and how to make it show different emotions. 
So, Mr. Nakajima, can you talk about the suit and the progression through the films of, uh, you know, they make it easier for Yeah, and for me, I'm not as familiar or interested with the suit itself, but the people inside that suit, certainly there was a, a great deal of change over the years. Um, you know, us at Toho, uh, we consider ourselves to be the originals. And, you know, Godzilla went through a few different studios, um, but ultimately they all got axed. Uh, they, you know, they just, they weren't professionals, they couldn't handle it. Um, and so, you know, now uh, we got someone that can actually, you know, over time we finally found someone that could really take on the role properly. Um, and, you know, I think it, it's it's really a more a matter of the people in the suits um, knowing the techniques and, and the way to make it work. For uh, Mr. Kitagawa, um, you know, Godzilla had some facial expressions. Uh, was that you controlling them, or were there other people uh, controlling that aspect of the monster? Yeah, that was all controlled um, off screen by other people. So, uh, for both the gentlemen, um, could you describe what it was like working with them on that very detailed picture set? あ、じゃあ、でも、そのアイデアを持ってたから。これやってみよう。で、ダメだったら勝つ。うん。で、勝つ。で、やってみたら、受けが良かったよ。あ、勝つ、受けが良かったよ。うん。あ、そう。良か
that was on the screen was a real thing. Um, you know, at that time our budget was so tight, and you know, it, it, everyone had to think, you know, creatively and, and be inventive and come up with ideas um, and try them out. You know, it was and it wasn't as easy as just saying like, well, let's shoot this and we'll try it out, and if it doesn't work, we'll cut it. Like, we didn't have enough of a budget to do that, so a lot of times, some we would try something and. You know, it, it kind of worked, but it was your idea, it was your baby, and you know, you were so happy to see it on film. And then when the director says, "Well, we wanted to cut it, but we couldn't," you know, you're like, "Oh, thank God!" Um, and so, you know, I, I, I worked on with I worked on Godzilla for a very long time, um, and you know, eventually it passed through so many hands, and the, the interest died out, and it was sort of you know, it kept getting dropped over and over again, um, and then. The, it seemed like, you know, out of nowhere, the interest started resurging again. Everything, everyone became more interested in it. But, um, you know, being out of the loop for so long, the directors that were taking over, I had never heard of these guys. And, you know, when you talk to them and you say, like, are you, are you looking at the old films? Are you watching them? And they always say, yeah, yes. I mean, you're, you know, they, they really demonstrate clearly that they had done their homework. And, and it's thanks to their, proper taking the time to view the old films and appreciate all the work and craft that went into that, that the new films are, are coming, that are coming out are working. Um, interesting things. Um, well, you know, I suppose the, the thing about miniatures is it takes so much time to build them up and make them look so realistic. Um, you know, a lot of these sets that I'd be working in, you know, it takes them three hours to get everything set up and get everything placed. Um, and then in an instant, I just crush it. And, you know, if, if they don't get the shot, then they have to spend another three hours building the set again. So, you know, for me, it was a lot of pressure to not waste everyone's time um, putting those sets together. I mean, is that, would you guys consider that an interesting point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For Richard McAdoo, uh, please describe the technique used of filming uh, underwater scenes. Yeah, I mean, it required a lot of technique. Um, if you have trouble during a scene like that, it can be the end of everything. Um, you know, I actually have uh, scuba diving uh, experience and knowledge, and I think that's, for, that's why I was able to do it. What input did you have uh, as far as the character in Godzilla and uh, the choreography in the fight scenes? あの、
Well, um, yeah, I mean, really, I was in charge of almost everything as far as who Godzilla was when I was taking over. Um, the path that I walked was set, um, but other than that, everything was up to me. On average, how long were you able to remain in Godzilla suit before you had to take a break? Well, for me, um, you know, I, it, it's just work. And when I'm working, I'm focused on my work. And so I, I didn't even perceive time. I mean, I, I feel like it, it could have been um, any, any length of time. And I'm sure it changed um, from take to take. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't even really take breaks. Um, to, to, it, breaks, as you guys would imagine, um, you can't really eat. Uh, when you're when you're working like that, and so um, I can't really really say um, an, an average time. Well,大体大体とさせてはこういうセットを鍛えているこの舞台にビルを作ってて、最初何もないか作っていくのにまあ多分三時間四時間かかって。で、自分がスーツに入るのはその3時間、例えば3時間。それが短い時もありますよ。3時間後も入ったら10秒で終わったり、とかそんな。それ実際実際。そんな出入りまた時間かかるんで、入るのにま、20分ぐらいかかって。
あの CG が元からではなくて最初からスーツに入るスーツメーションの撮影の仕方がやっぱり日本では昔からあったから CG がその後に生きてきたっていうことです Um, well, you know, what we call suit motion,、um, that practice had been、um, an, you know, an ongoing craft in Japan for a long time leading up to that point. And I think because of that history, that's where we go first. We go to the suit first. And then after that, we think if you know, CGI would work or not, and things start to become more CGI after that. What、uh, is the difference while you're traveling in the world of fandom、uh, between the US, Japan, and all the places you've been? Yeah, you know, honestly, I would say that half and half there, but half of the fans that I meet are the same,、um, Japan or America. I think we, you know, we're all looking at the same films and we're all appreciating the same world. Um, and we're all sort of part of a,、uh, you know, the same group. We're all members of the same fandom.、Um, and you know, I, I really think it doesn't matter what country、um, Godzilla fan comes from.、Uh, I, I think you know, we're all part of a, this greater whole. And you know, I, I did all this work、um, with Sugurai and like, the director in, in Yohanda. The three of us really like, worked together to create this new genre. And、um, when I see the new works with the new directors,、um, and I see you know, their faces and the fans' faces, and I, you know, I think that everyone is sort of studying the same material. And so、um, it's all sort of being passed down. I don't think it matters much which culture people come from. Um, my answer might be a little different from Nakajima's,、uh, and so he might get a little mad at me, but. To put it straight, I mean, Americans. Their passions burn hot. And,、uh, you know, the American fans, they make their presence known.、Um, 
I think there might there might there's probably more of them than Japanese fans, but when I compare the Japanese Godzilla fans to the American Godzilla fans, the Japanese are much quieter and reserved and and down down key and the Americans are, are hot. That, that's all. <laughs> Mr. Nakajima, uh, tell us about filming of uh, Seven Samurai and the challenges of working on Kurosawa. Yeah, I mean, Kurosawa is mainly um, a uh, period drama director, um, samurai, samurai era, and I think with that comes a certain level of, you know, um, strong-headedness, uh, and so we, we butted heads a little bit, um, where, you know, he said you have to stay focused on, on Jidai Geki, on, on, on period dramas. And uh, I told him, well, I was, I'm, I'm working on one right now. And he's like, no, you have to stay with this student, you have to stay with this. And we, we butted heads a little bit on that. Mr. Pinbell. He actually joined the Japan, Japan Action Club in 1975. Can you talk about his work there? ちょっとまあ、ハワイでじゃあ、やりたかった。そして、ウルトラマンになりたかった。その年、ジャパンアクションクラブに入りました。で、ありませんでした。あ、もう、ライガセルオリジナルでやりたかった。その年、ジャパ
Yeah, and, and Yaris um, Godzilla, I think, is really cool. He's like, like a cool hero. So, I mean, I'm super into it. Cool. And then the final question is, uh, why do you think Godzilla has been popular for as many years all over the world? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know, um, but I think that, you know, people grow up and they see something that they like and they're interested in it and they hold that interest and you know they want to make something like that and they continue on um, and I think you know if it goes well uh, that's great um, if it doesn't go well then you know they shouldn't have you know I, I think it has to they have to do a good job at least with it um, you know because where I started if it didn't go well it was over you just get crushed um, so that's how I feel about that ゴジラ I think, you know, um, with America, you know, you have King Kong, and King Kong is sort of a beast that grew, um, you know, to huge proportions. Um, and I think, you know, that's like, that's representative of America. And, you know, for Japan, Godzilla kind of came out of the sea. Um, Godzilla is something that, you know, um, from Nakajima's era that was created, you know, from the mind, like we invented it. And it was this concept that really stood the test of time. And I think that people nowadays are thinking, you know, like, are we going, can we make something bigger and better than, than that? You know, I think in America, we always think of like destroying the monster with weapons. Um, but the thing about Godzilla is it never dies. It only goes to sleep and reemerges another day. Everybody has